Welcome to the Not All Love and Light podcast. I'm your host, Romy Moreno. And today we have Jeff Hurst. Jeff is a former trainer for the Access program for the state, which is how we met. But I also consider Jeff my soul dad. <laughs> and the reason being is, like I said, we met in DCF when we worked for the state and he was my trainer. And I know I've mentioned in other episodes, I've mentioned the trainer that was so good and kept my attention going in every <laughs> every training. But the minute that I met Jeff, it was just like there was a soul connection. And it was just I saw you and it was just like, there's something about you. I need to sit in the front of the class. <laughs> And we did some amazing trainings like emotional intelligence, Myers-Briggs and all of that. And it was just always so great to be in your presence and in your training class. And I learned so much about you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, I have since been fortunate enough to retire 2019. But I do remember that. And I also remember you taking the class and the training very seriously compared to some others because there were assignments and stuff and you came and you were involved and that's how you learn is being engaged with whatever's going on. But I remember you taking your, you were the first one to turn in your homework assignment. I don't know if you remember that. No. I gave assignments and you were the one, the uh, email said, ding, you know, mm -hmm. you were the first one because you took it seriously. And, uh, that's like life. Uh, sometimes you have to take it real serious and sometimes you have to take a step back. But just learning about yourself and all the tools that are available, um, they don't necessarily have to define you, but they are tools so you can just be the best you. And uh, I loved training. Uh, I do miss it. But um, I also like being retired. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> you, you were so good, though. And you said that I was a star student and, you know, turned in. And honestly, it was only because of what the subject was. Because I don't know if you remember, but when you were trying to train me on how to be a good supervisor, I checked out. Like the training was how to do the meetings. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Yeah. And this is training me. I'm like, how long is this training? I just <laughs> want to go back to work. It was really bad. But I took the, so the Myers-Briggs is a personality test and I didn't know what it was. And I remember that we, we took the training, we had to take a test right before. And I was actually surprised at the fact that I was an extrovert because I always felt very introverted. So I was like, this probably isn't right, whatever, you know, but learning about it, I was like, okay, this sounds relatable. We had to do the training again for some reason. And I was like, let's see how accurate this test really is and see if I get a different, you know, a different, a, outcome. a different outcome. Nope. I was still an ESTJ and I was just like, Okay, but if you look, you know how the chart shows like how off you are from the line? I was really close to introvert. And I remember the last training that we did, you broke us up into like the extroverts with the introverts. And just being in that group with all those introvert, um, extroverted people that they were just like, yeah, I like to listen to music while I work. And I need to, I like going to the office and being around people. I was just like, that's not me. I'm like, <laughs> But then when you put me in a social setting, I'm very extroverted where I could speak to people. And that does give me energy. So knowing also like at what level you are in each of these categories helps as well. Oh, it does. And you said the key thing about energy, because sometimes 
we feed off of our own energy and sometimes we need other people to get our energy and you just have to find that right balance for you because at the end of the day my opinion you need to be able to be comfortable with yourself and your energy but understanding especially if you're in a supervisory role you may need to adjust your sales a bit because the chances are the team that you're supervising are going to be introverts, extroverts, and whatever other combination that's in that framework and how you're going to get the most out of them and the most out of you. So understanding that is, is key. But um, as I've found as I've gotten older, you know, people say, well, it doesn't change, whatever you are. Um, and there's a lot of studies that say it really doesn't change. But I think that when your environment, because how you are, your DNA makeup, how you were raised, that does affect you. But I do think that if your environment changes, especially in a managerial way, or say, you can alter things, and you've got to be aware of that. And it doesn't mean that, oh, I'm slipping, I'm not like this. You're just adjusting your sails to the winds that are blowing. Yeah, it's like another blueprint, just to know, like, this is a blueprint, but... You could do the work to be different. And what you said, that you could be a certain way, but when you're in a manager position or supervisor position, knowing who you're dealing with, before these trainings, I was just like, this is just how I am. I didn't understand. This is just how I've always worked since I was 16 years old. And I was a supervisor at 16, right? My first job. So I always worked the same. And there was something that you did that blew my mind in that training. You go, how would you guys feel? And you asked everybody in the training, how would you guys feel if your supervisor came into the meeting and they gave you what the meeting notes were and they break everything down for you? And they're very just like, you know, going right through the meeting quickly and efficiently, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's how I do my meetings. Yes, yes. And then before I answered, I heard people, oh, like they don't care. Oh, like they're rushing through it. Oh, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and then you go, if you run this type of meeting, you're probably an ESTJ or ISTJ. And I'm like, I feel so attacked right now. I, it was so mind blowing to me that, wow. Yeah, you, you're a certain way, but you're dealing with other personalities right. and, as well. Yeah, and even if you're not in a supervisory position, I mean, certainly it helps for that. But just in dealing on the day-to-day -day aspects of dealing with people, it's important to know who you are and how you react to things. What are your triggers? But also the other people you're dealing with, because they could be completely different and it could be going over their head or you may be not understanding them. You don't have to agree with everybody, but when you understand where they're coming from and understand how they may do things, then as a manager, I remember when I used to supervise people, everybody was different. You know, I had this person that just got to work early, but was really absent for the entire day. They were there, they looked like, oh, they're there early, they're pushing papers, and then I'd get half a person who was 15, 20 minutes late every day. But they gave me like 10 hours worth of work in that short period of time. Right. They were efficient, so you have to learn, okay, how do I get everybody to come on time, but also to be productive? So you have to deal with them differently. I had to find ways to keep the other person productive and not just 
what it was is she felt that she just wasn't part of the team. But she felt it was important for her to get there, the way she was brought up. And so I found ways to bring her in. Right. And then the other one had some things that she needed to do while she was always late. So I was able to find a way to just adjust her work schedule. So she didn't have to feel she was late anymore. Right, right. So, but as but the the what the Myers Briggs does is it's um, it's it's an indicator uh, like a self help assessment of finding out how you are, and how you relate to yourself, but also how you relate to other people. Certainly, if you're managing them or you're responsible for them, that helped me a lot. It, it, and that's why I was all like, star suiting, here's my homework. I want to learn more. Tell me everything. <laughs> because I knew during that time, I was also, I knew that I wanted to go into into the coaching business. And I was like, I'm taking this and also so I could help my clients. So that's why I felt so like, wow, this is amazing. The same thing with the emotional intelligence training yes. that we did. That was awesome too. Learning that. Can you talk a little bit? about what emotional intelligence is? It's understanding your emotions, understanding how you react, understanding your culture, how you were brought up, and understanding other people's culture, but also understanding how you can relate to other people, especially the people that you supervise. Like I said, everybody has these different, we all have these different emotions going on and you have to understand, you, you're not going to be able to supervise or even as a person, you're not a scientist, we're not physicians, I'm not a therapist, but I have to understand that people are different. I understand have to stand how I think about things. Something that may be so wrong to me may not be to somebody else and it doesn't make it right or wrong for either person, but I think you have to be able to to understand, you really got me with that one because I haven't thought about that in a while, <laughs> to really understand what's going on, why a person is a certain way. And, and some people are very private, but you can ask, hey, what's going on? How's it? And you can ask in a way so that you can help them be the best them, but also be your best self. Right. And I feel like it takes a lot of self-work in order to get there too, because a lot of people, because they haven't done a lot of personal development work, somebody might be just acting a certain way but they feel attacked by the person because they have their own insecurities and their own traumas and their own thing that they're taking what someone else is doing as an attack to them versus, no, there's something going on with this person. Let me go in a little bit deeper and then learning how their personality is, how to approach them, right? Because if somebody is more introverted, maybe in a meeting, you know, going around, oh, so like, how's everyone feeling and talking in a group, it's not going to be as effective as taking a moment in private, like what's going on and things like that. Right. We all have defense mechanisms mm -hmm. based on how we're brought up, how we are. Sometimes somebody can just be saying something really, it's no big deal. But you take it as, like you said, they're attacking me. They don't like me. And you're walking through this force of all these things that for you, they're real. But for the person who said it, they may not really, that wasn't their intent. So it is important to always do a self-analysis. And the thing I've learned since I've retired is it never changes. You never get to the point where I've got it all. I understand everything. If you want to be true to yourself, to the people that you manage or the people in your life, you have to continually adjust your sails to the wind that's blowing, as I've said. And that doesn't mean you give up who you are. That doesn't mean you give up your morals. You can still stay safe. Stay who you are, 
But when those stormy situations come up, you want to be able to navigate and stay afloat and not tip over. And it's like being self-aware is the key. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes we aren't because people are told, oh, I don't need to know who I am. I know who I am. Right. And you may not understand why you're a certain way. Like I know, you know, I found out when I was 50 that I was wired differently. I think I always knew that, but I wasn't quite certain of it. Once I found out, and the neurologist, I can't remember his name, he's since deceased, he was so cool, said, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just wired differently. We all are. And you must find your superpower. And those areas that you feel you need to work on, then work on them at your own pace. But, you know, the key thing for me was superpower. You know, when you you told me, about, you mentioned that you thought I was a good trainer, I was frightened to talk to people. Wow. Growing up. Really? Uh, I just was frightened. I wouldn't talk. It was my dad who got me into, I think I was in the 10th grade, public speaking, because he saw that. And he brought me out of that. This was my dad who adopted me when I was 22 months old. I'll never forget him because he pulled me out of that. And most people, when I talk and they see me as an extrovert, oh, you've always been like that. I th- like It wasn't that I was an introvert and then I became an extrovert. But sometimes you're on that borderline and there's certain situations that you're more comfortable of being an introvert. And um, and then you find yourself in other situations where to survive, lovingly, you are the extrovert. Right. So you've got to, sometimes you go back and forth, but it's all you. I don't think you really change. You grow. But who you are and your DNA and how you are is who you are. But you can adjust that as you go through life. Um, I think the sooner you find out, the better off it is. But whenever you find out, it's good. Like it, I was like that too when I was little. I never spoke. But I know that that has a lot to do with like my traumas that I just kept to myself. But even into my teen years, I'm sure if friends of mine or people that knew me in high school that I would hang out with them, they could tell you that I was always so quiet. You couldn't get a word out of me. <laughs> this one person would call me esponjita, like a sponge, <laughs> because... If there was a moment that I had heard something and I had to say something, they would sentido, like just throw in a little, <laughs> a little jab. They're like, "Oh, so you're here?" And I'm like, "It was just too funny for me not to say anything." I actually got better at speaking and getting comfortable. You know how they say public speaking is the biggest fear that people have. Yes, it's yes. not for me at all. I could speak in front of people, no problem. Lista Sykes the director for the access program, I was in her personal development group, the leadership program that she did. I remember that. And she really helped me. And one tip that she gave us that I still think about is that when you're speaking, sometimes you fidget with your hands or you're just, you just need to move. Instead of doing that, just be very relaxed and just press into your toes. And you're putting that pressure into your toes. That's it. Right. So that really helped me. And being in that leadership program and working with her and everybody in that group, that really helped me develop my speaking. And I have no problem speaking in front of people. I don't get nervous at all. No, I know you don't. I really don't. don't. I just had a training a couple months ago for a real estate company. And I don't prepare either when I... (laughs) Like I have an idea of what I'm going to talk about. I have an idea about something and I just go for it. I never, because 
if I plan something, then that's when I start right. getting really, even with my yoga class, I know that there's instructors that they're like, this is the flow that I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I try to prepare. And then when I, when I missed a flow, that's when I start panicking. So I just go with the flow. What you said is very key. And I think that's why you have, that's why it's important to kind of understand you and using Meyer Briggs or whatever to just understand you and develop yourself is key. There are a lot of people who plan and they can't. If they lose that page or something in the audience or something changes, they're thrown off keel so much that they can never recover. So I'm kind of like you. I mean, I as I've gotten older, I like to have my notes, but I don't like to prepare this whole thing because someone could ask me a question that I may not have, you know, it's not in the notes or anything. And then how do you deal with that? Right. So you find yourself in a position to deal with it and then move back to where you were effortlessly. And people are like, wow, that was really planned. How did that? So I, I like that if not, because you do have to have the energy each. I'm sure when you, when you're training people, everybody has different energy. And you can't write that down on a paper. You feel it when you walk in and you know how you're going to be, whether you're going to move, sit still, your expressions. When you allow yourself to know that, okay, this is how I am, and you're going to deal with the crowd in the way that that crowd needs to be, I don't want to say dealt with, but needs to learn because everybody's different. I've had different groups of people training the same thing. And some I've had to adjust it because for some people, they just didn't get it. N not because they just they couldn't relate. And then other people think, oh, I know this already. And they miss it. So you've got to adjust. So I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I can't. I tried because I thought that that was the way. <laughs> and just it will throw me off so bad that I just like, no. So I just never prepare and I don't get nervous. I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? I make a fool of myself and then what? What happens? Well, Nothing. That's true. I think that's like, the thing. I really don't care. I think it has a lot to do with like, I really don't care what people say or think about me. Like they could say, oh my God, she fell on stage. And then I'll just get up and laugh it off and then keep going. It doesn't affect my life. Right. Whatsoever. I, and as I said, there's some people, was that part of that? Was, what am I, what did I not get out of that? Right. You know, somebody else will see that and say, oh, so when you fall, you get back up. That's what I'm not doing. I stay down and I don't get back up or I take forever. I don't know how to move into what's going on, to move through it and then out of it. Some people stay stuck in it. So even though, even that falling, somebody, it, you know, that's why I believe the way the universe flows, you just don't know who's going to learn and what you're going to learn and what has to be taught. So somebody may have seen that, you know, if you fall or, wow, okay, that was meant just for me. Mm -hmm. And the other people are like, okay, I don't get it. Right. <laughs> but they maybe they weren't supposed to at that point. Maybe a half an hour into it, oh, okay, this one is for me. So I, that's, that's how I try and look at things. Yeah, for sure. I want to kind of explain a little bit what Myers-Briggs is. I brought my stuff. This is the first time I took it, and it was January of 2016. Oh, wow. And I, and I still have it, of course, because... <laughs> but I remember taking it again. Because the last training I did with you, I was pregnant with Ian, and he's going to be five. Right. I know that. I remember that. And I remember when I saw him, it was like, I knew you when you, I didn't, you know, you were in your mom's belly. She was going through the training. <laughs> yes. 
I was very happy to be in the training and not in the, in the call center. <laughs> <laughs> so Myers-Briggs is designed to help you understand who you are. And also once you understand like pretty much who you are, like a bl- blueprint, you could start pinpointing certain people different ways. It's 16 different personalities, right? Yes. It's 16. Yes. And it's just a combination of of eight different things. Right. Well, there's the four letters of that they call the personality types. And then it breaks down into that. There's the extroversion we were talking about, the introversion. How do you get your energy? And then sensing and then the intuition piece of it. How do you take in information? Are you just intuitive? You know, you've got to you have to read everything and figure it out first. Uh, and then you're thinking and how are you feeling and judging and perceiving. And then it goes into the those 16 things that you mentioned. Uh, yeah, the combination, the combination of it. So yeah. I'm going to break down like what each one is. Like you said, the first letter is like the, the way you direct and receive energy. So, of course, extroversion or introversion. People listen, oh, extrovert, introvert, they have an idea of what that is. The extroverted tend to direct their energy towards the outside world and get energized by interacting with people and taking action. Yes. Versus the introvert who direct their energy towards their inner world and get energized by reflecting on their ideas and their experiences. Right. So I really thought I was more introverted. (laughs) Definitely not. And then the second letter is um, the way that you take in information. So they're sensing which is people who prefer sensing tend to take in information that is real and tangible. They focus mainly on what they perceive using their five senses, which is me. And then intuition, people who prefer to take in information by using the big picture. They focus mainly on patterns and interrelationships they perceive. So when you were explaining like, oh, you know, look at the big picture. I'm like, no, I need facts. (laughs) There are a lot of us that need facts. Uh, and and facts are good. And and then there are times when you need to just, you just know, you don't need the facts for you, but certain things you have to have facts. I mean, you can't, you know. Which is very interesting to me because I'm very intuitive. So not really understanding this, I would be like, oh, definitely intuitive. That would be me. But no, like I need to know that outcome. I need to know how certain things, I need some type of certainty. So I think that goes in with. Well, it's a combination of, you know, because you could be intuitive and some people say, well, I thought they were a certain way. You're still intuitive, but they may be going through their own little things. So you're picking up on that. And that's why you need the facts because I'm not certain about this. And there's no right or wrong in this. You just, it's got to be what's best, what works best for you and your relationship with others, particularly in the business world, the people that you manage or your direct reports, however you want to put it. But I think it's also helpful with your family. It may be difficult getting your family, hey, look, I need you guys to take this test and find out who you are. And they're going to say, well, we know how we are and we know how you are. <laughs> uh, but even if they don't, even if you do, you can see certain things about how your children are. I know how mine are. They're completely different human beings. Um, and my siblings, everybody's so different. But when I have a better understanding of who I am and how I perceive them to be, uh, we we're able to communicate and and deal with each other's issues that come up and problems and work together 
even though we're not identical, we share the DNA, but we're not we're not the same human beings. I get that. I get that. The next two letters is the way you decide and come to conclusions. So there's T for thinking and F for feeling. So thinking, people who prefer thinking typically base their decisions and conclusions on logic. There's me again, with accuracy and objective truth and primary goals versus people who prefer feeling typically base their decisions and conclusions on personal and social values with understanding and harmony, the primary goals. At one time in my life, I was, I don't even know if you know this, I was with the inspector general's office. And I don't know if you knew that or not. And I remember being when I was doing this, because it was just all investigations, and you know, when you say the inspector general, everybody goes, ooh, yeah. you know, yeah, the black suit and the sunglasses kind of. But I remember being told, whatever you do, when you're looking into things, separate the emotion from the facts so that when you are putting together a report, you have the ability to get your emotions out of it because. If you like somebody, you may not see them as doing anything wrong. And if you dislike them, they just look wrong to you. So if you separate your emotions from it and just go, we're talking about facts, and just go with the facts, use that. And then if someone did something they shouldn't have or didn't do, you stick with the facts and you leave your emotions out of it. Out of it. And it's really key if you know that you're an emotional soul is that if you're in that kind of position to kind of make sure you kind of take back and separate that. You're not keeping from being who you are, but you're separating it in that moment to be fair to whatever, you know, whatever it is you're investigating. I just remembered another scenario that you guys used in the training. I believe it's for this section when you go, Imagine that you work in a grocery store and you see this man come in with a cart and he fills up the grocery cart with groceries and then he just walks out of the store. He's stealing the food. What is your reaction? He's stealing like you need to call a cop. The logical thing to do is that this is wrong. Everybody was saying this. Then you threw in the, yeah, but he's homeless and he needs to feed his kids. All the emotional people were like, oh, I've always been like, separate the emotion from the facts. I mean, you have to do what's right. Yes, you know, this is what we need to do. But then I'm like, well, I know how you could apply for food stamps to do that. (laughs) You know what I mean? But still following the facts versus letting your emotion. That's why I could never have worked when I tell people, I used to work for DC after like, oh my God. I'm like, no, access, food stamps, Medicaid and cash assistance. I could never work with the elderly or the children because I know based on my own traumas, like how that I probably would not be able to control my emotions in those scenarios. And that's true. That's a key thing that you just mentioned about why I think this has value is when you know yourself and how you are, it can also help you with your career because there's certain things that you just, some people can do. I know that I've had uh, people, after I trained them, they said, you know what? Knowing I cannot work in dealing with children that may need to be removed from the, I can't do it. Even though I know they made for their safety and they helped the family get back together and be a unit, I couldn't do it. And so they didn't do that job. They found something else. So mm-hmm. it, it is helpful in understanding how you move through life and how you can not only take care of yourself, 
but be there for other people. And we can't be there for everybody in every single capacity. Like for me, it wasn't really much like I have no problem removing a child that doesn't need to be in a home. But if I walk into that house and I see that kid in a cage, I I don't know what I, I I don't know what I would do to that parent. Right. And that's not the way that the investigators need to. (laughs) And that goes back to what you were saying. Well, maybe there's some factors there that we may not know that nobody knows that the parent, and I'm just saying not as an excuse, but this is where you go back and where some people, it's the emotion, but also, okay, where are the facts? And uh, my intuitions tell me this. That's why this is important. And I recommend to everybody, if they, you can do stuff online, you know, and yeah. find out just as it, just kind of get an idea of where you're at and where you may not realize it. Because I think it will help you in the day-to-day things that we do as employees for somebody, running our own business, or just dealing with ourselves and our families. Yeah. it's it, Like I said, it really did help me a lot to become, like, as a supervisor, I ran my, my meetings very differently after. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good thing. Yes. That's what good all of this is, is about your relationship with yourself and your relationship with others. Right. And uh, at the end of the day, everybody wants to just be okay. Yeah. And not every day is going to be like that. But when you have this understanding about who you are and the people that you you can navigate, for lack of a better word, navigate through things as to, opposed to always being adversarial or feeling like you're being attacked. Right. Mm-hmm. Very important. The last um, section is the way you approach the outside world. So you have judging, which sounds so bad, right? <laughs> yeah. So judgeful. But it's not that at all. So that's why when I got back, I'm like, I'm a judging. I don't judge people. Um, <laughs> and then perceiving. So people who prefer judging typically come to conclusions quickly and want to move on and take an organized plan approach to the world, which is, yeah, let, let's do this and let's keep it moving. That's totally me. People who prefer perceiving typically look for more information before coming to conclusions and take spontaneous, flexible approach to the world. No, not me. <laughs> <laughs> So you could take this test online. Yeah. You can and find out a little bit more about yourself. Right. And I and I encourage everyone to do this. It's you know, there's some people like with anything in life, there's always pros and cons. Some people say, Oh, well, there's no scientific thing to, you know. I find that when I took it the first time and I took it, I'm like you, that needle really didn't. But there's so many other pieces that, you know, you are a part of. So What's think, yours? Well, <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> I need to know. Well, I'm an extra, <laughs> according to the test. And I like to be, if, if I'm put in the place of being in charge or responsible, I take that very seriously. What I've learned, though, is how, you know, when I had to help, when I actually supervised a lot of people in dealing with a lot of different personalities we were able to do some things that nobody else did because we worked as a team. And I find found ways to be creative. So I have a tendency to always want to be like at the helm. As I've retired, I'm less concerned about being at the helm of what I'm doing and more concerned about being at the helm of me. So I've still got that going on. I just, it's me now. I'm just trying to control me and be at my own helm and not 
you know, not let other stuff, outside stuff affect me. So, uh, even, yeah, I took it a couple of times and it still comes out being that way, even though I completely thought. Which one is it, though? You're not telling me. <laughs> you need to know. <laughs> I don't know. I think now I, I just, because sometimes for me, as I've, as I said, when you look at this, it says nothing really changes. And there are other people that say, well, your environment can change and adjust. So I think mine's adjusted. Um, I don't know how to answer that how I am now. Um, when you took it. <laughs> the INTP, which is the love of problem solving, challenges others to think. Absent-minded professor, which I've been accused of, <laughs> but not completely. Uh, competency needs. So, but but that doesn't define me 100%. Right. Like, I don't right. think, um, you know, I'm socially callous or anything. I might, my, how I find myself is always more of a learning teaching role. You really know how I engage people though. Whenever I would walk in in a training and it wasn't you, I was very upset. I'm (laughs) like, I'm not doing this. (laughs) Well, because I felt that I had to be there. You had to be there. Let's get the most out of this. Because for me, I always learned from whichever group I was responsible for training for, I learn things from them. I pick up things and then use them in the next training because I wasn't in the front lines. And so being able to interact and hear like, you know, the things that you shared and others, well, this is what my team is like and this is how I'm like. And we were able to work through something. Some people changed how they did things. Some didn't. And they still had the same result and they felt the training wasn't worthwhile, but they didn't change anything. That was very upsetting to me when people were not excited about the training. I'm like, do you not understand how much value this has? Well, (laughs) some people don't. And some people don't like when they have something to do and hear somebody telling them, you need to be in this training. It's going to be two or three days and you've got to still manage all the other stuff that's going on. Right. So for some people, it was hard. You, though, and there were others that had this insight. And this intuition that there's, I'm getting something out of this. This is an opportunity for me to grow. Right. I personally believe anytime we interact with people, it's an opportunity to learn and grow. And I do miss those trainings uh, because it helped me as someone who, or at least that's what they told me as a young child, I was afraid of talking. I didn't want to be around people. Um, you know, I like being around people. I don't need to be around people, though. Same. I'm very comfortable in my just with myself, sitting outside watching the sunset, watching the sunrise. So yeah, um, you mentioned that you were adopted at 22. Yes, 20, 22 months. 22, 20 yeah, 22 months. months. Yeah. Yes. So um, we spoke recently about that you did the ancestry. Yes, I did. And I do want to get into that because you found a family member. So can you tell me a little bit about that? I found that? a couple. Well, yes. Um, I actually found out a lot of stuff. I had always been, it was given to me as a gift by my wife back in 20-something because I didn't know all about it. And I was curious, you know, I've got this tan skin and 
blue eyes, sometimes they're green. And I was just curious about what my makeup was. And I had, you know, done some research. When I found that out, it, it was interesting to find out, you know, because DNA, you inherit certain things. You inherit 50 from mom, 50 from dad. You never know. So I always tell people, don't think because you, have, you know that you've got something and you don't have it, that doesn't mean anything. That's just what you inherited. But what happened for me is one day I get this, I, I, I look and I get, it kind of like it they're very careful they tell you you have you know a close family member so i started looking through it and then i figured out that this guy was my half brother and i knew that we shared the same father remember i was adopted so i never knew who my biological father was the my my dad who raised me adopted me at 22 months old that's my dad but i never knew who uh my father was and this ancestry, you know, but I found out his name. And then the brother that I met never knew the same father. Okay. He thought that someone else was his father. Mm-hmm. He found out when he was going into the and I'm we're 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 deciding how we're gonna put this together. He was gonna go into the armed services and he found out that things were not what they were supposed to be. So he and I share this so he was raised by somebody who he thought for sure was his father. Yes. Did he find out that that wasn't his father after he did the ancestry? No, he found out before. He found out when he was like 17 years old. And I found out at 16 who my biological mother was and who my siblings were that were technically half siblings. Although I don't get into but just to explain right. this, because I did grow up with a sister with same mom, same dad. She even didn't want to do the ancestry because she was frightened that maybe we didn't share both parents and didn't really matter to me. But I, but I understand how she feels and how some people with this whole ancestry thing has helped a lot of people. And it's created some problems for people because there were secrets and people didn't talk about stuff. And, you know, back in the 50s, a lot of people were like, shh, don't talk about that. You know, now some of the stuff doesn't even matter. But back then it did. So I found uh, my brother who at the time lived in Hawaii. And uh, my youngest daughter sent me there as a Christmas present so I could go and meet him. We had, we, we finally started, we were comfortable enough to uh, share our emails because it's set up like that. You know, you're just, it's up to you whether you want to communicate or not. Then we shared phone numbers, then we do Zoom. Uh, and then, you know, we met each other in person. So it was so cool. Uh, we sat down for the first time and we started finishing each other's sentences. And the connection that we have is just unbelievable. But we never grew up with each other. We are so similar that it is scary, though. The way we speak, um, we use our hands, you know. It's crazy how DNA is that just even mannerisms. I see how my son walks and it just like my younger brother, Ruben, it's the same, the way that he stands. Then I look at my older brother, Saul, and I saw him at my, when I had the gender reveal for Ian, the way that he was standing in my kitchen, it, I was like, you look just like dad. It's crazy. Just the mannerism. And I have a story too with ancestry because I I had a feeling that I wanted to just do it. Just to find out a little bit more about me. I just thought it would be something cool to do. Yeah. So all my life, my mom has told us, because this is what she believed, that we were Cuban Lebanese, right? Right. I think I remember you telling me that. Yes. I am not, just so you know. <laughs> 
So people would look at me and they're like, you don't look Cuban. Like, where are you from? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, you don't look Cuban. You have some exotic look to you. And, and not to just for a second. Anybody could be Cuban. There is no particular look. But sometimes we think that you've got to look this because I know a lot of Asian Cubans. Mm-hmm. And the people go, what? They're Asian Cubans? My like, sister. You know? My older sister's Cuban Chinese with different dads. Yeah. And you look at her, yeah, she's Oriental. You yeah. see her eyes for sure. But so I, I took the test and I didn't have any Middle Eastern. And I showed my mom. She goes, we're Lebanese. I'm like, no, this is reality. We're not. But my highest percentage was in Lisbon. So, you know, like the, the game telephone. Yeah. <laughs> so the story was that our great grandparents moved from Lebanon to Cuba. And that's where, you know, whatever. I told her it must have been Lisbon. And then that's like the phone game that things changed down the lineage. Then that's what happened. But in that, I started seeing like people I was related to through DNA. And I saw somebody that was really close proximity. And I messaged him and he responded. And he was like, hi, do you have any of these last names in your family? And it was my mom's last name. Like, yeah. He's like, oh my God, can I call you? Can can we meet up? Can we see? I'm like, I'm not going to meet up with a stranger. But then I'm like, well, you're really not. But he's like, he he knew no, that it was in New York. He's like, are you in New York? And, I'm, and I was thinking he he has to know something because I didn't even tell him that I'm from New York. So I gave him my phone number and and we spoke and he told me, he goes, is your mom Lorraine Armas? And I said, yes. And he was so mind blown. And he was telling me, yes, I know your mom. So his parents and him and his sister lived in New York and my mom's uncle lived on the on another floor in another apartment in the same building. And he would spend time with her with her uncle and my mom. And he's like, I know your mom. I used to go visit wow. your 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 grandmother or somebody like in the car. We would go to the home and everything. And the last time I saw your mom was in front of City College and she was pushing a stroller with two little girls. I happened to be one of them. And he's telling me how, yeah, she was married to Sergio, which is my older sister's father. And your mom was like this. And and I get goosebumps still talking about it because he was like, I cannot believe. He goes, you have no idea what you've done to me. It wasn't until that moment that he found out and he's in his 50s that his who he thought his bio dad isn't his yeah. bio dad. And what happened is that he initially took the test with 23andMe with his sister and when they got the result, his sister came back as his half sister. And he's like, mm, that's weird. Yeah. And then his sister's like, oh, maybe, you know, th- that's not that accurate, whatever, whatever. So he's like, let's try ancestry. Same thing happened. So he did confront his mom. His mom denied it, whatever. But once he found me, <laughs> you he can't really to- deny that. You can't. And, you know, I believe that what is supposed to happen happens. That's that's an awesome story, and yeah. that's and that's and he's amazing. He so he is my my mom's nephew or cousin, something like that. Like their parents were siblings, so cousins, right, right? Right. So 
and he, he's so handsome and you see him and I see the features of like my mom's side of the family and he's normal. I'm like, wow, I have a normal family member <laughs> and he's amazing. And I, I really loved connecting with him and, and getting to know him. It's just, it was a very mind blowing experience. And, and he, he's like, you have no idea how you changed my life. Like you sending me that message was so life changing. And before I took that test, I had a feeling like, something's going to come from this. I just didn't know. Because yeah. like, to this day, I couldn't have taken that test. I could have never taken well, a test. And he would true. have never found out this information. Yeah. But it's it's really amazing. Oh, it is. And I encourage people to. Some people say, oh, I don't want, be, you know, people already have your DNA. I mean. I tell people, yeah. are, oh, I'm, if you've ever had a blood test, right. if you've ever had to put something in a cup, they have it. So, you know, it, it, it's to me, it's not a big deal, but it is life changing. You know, my my um, we found a first cousin, my brother and I, who first we thought she was a sister, and then we figured out it was our bio father's brother. She was adopted as well, so there's three of us that were adopted, raised by other people, but we've got this connection. Now I haven't met her yet. We've talked. Uh, she uh, has some similar characteristics of being wired differently, and she can't believe that I understand her. And she's technically a first cousin. And uh, my brother, who went on a trip, he came down, spent some time with me. His wife flew in. He had his daughter with him. And my daughters, they all connected so quickly. He couldn't believe it. They were just, the connection was unreal. You think that they had grown up with each other. And his daughter's nine, by the way. That's amazing. And he's an older brother, don't ask. Yeah. My dad yeah. had kids all the way up to, my, my younger sister and my and my nephew are the same age. So oh, wow. I understand <laughs> completely. So the, the point I make is that it's great because we've connected. Why it was important for us to connect in the latter part of our lives you know, um, my, my brother's in his 60s uh, as well. And uh, I don't know, but it's beautiful. But it also helps you when you understand yourself. You don't inherit everything. But when you look back, I think it can help you with judging people how they are. Don't get prejudiced because of a particular group of people. And understanding where you come from can have a lot. When I understand, you know, I trace back, I think I share with you my great-grandfather came from Scotland on my father's side. And uh, my brother had been working on some stuff and found out that we were related to a historical figure, which blew my mind. I didn't find out anything that cool. <laughs> well, I, I did. My brother did because he had the time. And it was, uh, I think I've shared with you, it was uh, Robert the Bruce, who was the outlaw king of Scotland. And then some people say, oh, well, that explains you <laughs> of how I've done some things. And um, uh, also Meghan Markle through her father's side. You're related to Meghan Markle? Through her father's side, yeah. Because, you know, they did her whole DNA thing. She's related to, you know, the um, the English, of all, almost all of my European DNA is Royal. either Britain, <laughs> uh, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, 
and uh, and then the Vikings. So I've been able to trace oh, I can some see of the that. Viking, definitely <laughs> Viking. <laughs> well, Vikings were were not tall people. They were not tall men and women. They were like five six, five seven. Everybody has, and they didn't all have blonde hair. It's history is amazing, but I think when you find out, this is another piece that goes on. You know, sorry, we were talking about got so excited there about Myers Briggs, but also DNA. For some people, they don't want to know, but for me, it's important because it helps you just understand. And sometimes, you know, you feel like, wow, I'm, you know, I technically considered a multi-generational biracial male, meaning I didn't really have a parent that was black or white, a hundred percent. And since the 1600s, this has been going on that I'm half and half as if I ever had one parent that was of African descent and one parent of European descent. So I think it's fascinating and you never know who you may be connected to, but I think all of this is just part of learning and sharing. And like you said, you know, this person now is in your life mm-hmm. for a reason. Right. I mean, that's how I feel. Everything is for a reason. My brother and I feel that whatever the reason is now, we've connected when he came to stay with me remember i went to a stranger's house in hawaii mm-hmm. we were i was comfortable he came to it was like he was living with me my entire life his wife and i get his daughter she's amazing you know and she says uncle jeff i know why you're like my dad I said, why is that because you're always worrying about everybody else <laughs> Sorry, but, and and i do but um I just think it's fascinating. And then you have those soul connections. Because, you know, I call you my soul kid. Mm-hmm. I just have this connection with you that is beyond. Uh, and this goes into that, I guess, that intuition part where I don't have to see you all the time. But I remember not seeing you. And then I can remember exactly when I was walking out of the building. And there, that little circle, you were standing up and our eyes connected. Yes. And it was like, I was like. There's my family member. Yeah. But I I felt that the moment that I met you walking into the training. Yeah. No, I did too. And, you know, a lot of people don't talk about this stuff, but it's, it's, it's truth. We are soul family. There's souls that, you know, outside of this life and this dimension, you're, you're one, you know, I'm sure maybe you were my dad in another lifetime. <laughs> I have this, and I've been told this, that soul knows soul. Mm-hmm. And I think that also goes why some people maybe can't get along. It's not that the person is bad or you're good or you're bad or they're good. There's just something about You know, I have a story soul. about that. I have um, one of my best friends. She and her sister didn't really get along like, you know, like like they do now. And she came to find out through past life regression that her sister killed her in another lifetime. So that energy of that yes. aggression carried into this lifetime until she was able to heal that then they were able to have a completely different relationship which is oh it is i I had someone tell me who was in it was telling me said sometimes you have unfinished business with souls and you don't understand what is it what are we trying to finish it and and you don't move on until you understand that we're so connected we're we're uh Mental creatures, physical creatures, spiritual creatures, in my opinion, all of these things combined. And we don't 
we don't always see that. We've got blinders on about, you know, what we should and shouldn't be. And, and uh, we miss out on a lot of things. Right. I agree. And you mentioning that seeing your brother and you guys are so much alike. I had that experience with my older brother because I, my dad had his first marriage. He had a son and a daughter and I didn't really have a relationship with either of them my whole life. Let's say 2015. My brother, and we always lived closer to each other like in Miami. My brother came around like he wanted to build a relationship and all of this stuff. Getting to know my brother, because I don't feel like my sisters that I grew up with and I have a lot in common. Like I feel I look a lot like my younger sister. But personality, I always felt kind of like different, a black sheep. But building this relationship with my older brother, I'm like, Oh my God, a sibling that I feel so, like I look at you and I'm just like, the way that we just laugh at things, we even love the same music and everything. I was like, okay, this is, uh, this is cool. This is awesome. So I felt that with my brother, even though I knew who he, he was my brother my whole life, I never had a relationship with him until later on in life. And when I did, I realized, oh my God, we're so close. We're so yeah. alike. It's, it's, it's really a good cool. feeling because yeah. you feel like you're part of a tribe mm-hmm. and you're not by yourself. My my eldest sister is the matriarch. She doesn't always like the title of keeping everybody together. And she understands everybody's different personalities as well as her own. She spent her life teaching kids who learned differently. So she's able to, you know, so she loves us all. And I call her the matriarch because she tries to keep everybody together. But that connection that you're talking about, when you can have that soul connection with someone who you share DNA with, is just extra special, I yeah. guess, for lack of a better cool. way of saying it. It is very cool because you feel like, you know, what you're sharing, I might, you know, I get goosebumps too thinking about my brother. You know, I love all my brothers. I've, I've lost four siblings. There are four siblings that aren't with me anymore. And all of them have seen when it was time for them to go. So I was there for them. And it was, it's difficult even now. It was a long time. You know, I saw them in the dream state, you know, and then when I woke up, I knew stuff was, but they actually grew up in this Mesa as cousins. And I found out at 16, they were siblings. That's a whole nother story. Wow. So, yeah. So. You should write a book. We were, I, yeah, I'm in the process. Okay. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working. I may need your help. Um, and so they're not here. And then my, my baby sister, passed away just before I, uh, just after I got back from, uh, no, just before uh, I spent time in Hawaii in 2018 with an older brother, the one I met on Ancestry. And even though we weren't in each other's space, we just, there was that love was there growing up and that connection. And it's hard when you lose them physically, but they're always with you. Like my mom, she's with me all the time. Sometimes I talk to her. I believe there's just a lot of stuff we don't understand. And sometimes just to calm me down, you know, but that connection that you have with people, don't overlook that soul connection. I think what happens with some people is sometimes they feel the connection. They don't know what it is. So then they question themselves. If it's somebody of the opposite sex or the same sex or whatever, it's like, okay, what is that? What's, why am I connected to this person? And they don't understand it. So then they're like confused about it. So they're like, okay, I'm not going to, they just walk away from it because they don't know what it is. I think when you're open, you know what it is and what it isn't. And you can keep yourself. I think, you know, you had mentioned earlier why some people are kind of, and some people know they're connected. Sometimes I've walked by it. People look, they know their connection, but that was it. There was nothing else to do about it. 
whatever it was we were supposed it to was share. Like a hello. <laughs> I think it was like a hello and you keep it moving. Like you said, my sister says that all yeah. the time, keep it moving. But you have to have take responsibility too and try and understand and learn. It's like with anything, I think we continue to grow. That's why we were meant, I think, physically to live a lot longer than we do because mm-hmm. the learning doesn't stop. No, like, never. never. <laughs> I've learned more since being retired I think, <laughs> than I did leading up to that because you look at things differently. You have more time too. Yes, to, to with yourself and to be with mm-hmm. yourself. Correct. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on here. I'm, I was so happy to have you on. We're so connected. We are so family. Even when I met your nephew, which I'm going to have him on the podcast. Yes, I love him to I, that. I, it, it blew my mind that he was your nephew. So your nephew is Brian Del Toro. Yes. And uh, I met him because he was hired to play at a birthday party at Omen Vine. And I felt a connection with him too, the soul connection with him. And I hired him for my birthday and I had invited you to my birthday. And you're like, I'm so sorry I couldn't go, but I saw you had my nephew. I'm like, like what? Your actual nephew or like the, you know, Hispanic nephew? Like you just say he's your nephew. Not really your nephew. <laughs> you're like, no, that's my actual nephew. I'm like, wow. And him and I have such like a nice friendship and I support him a hundred percent. I think he's so brilliant. He he's such a brilliant performer. Brilliant. He's so He's a brilliant soul. And hit and just and I met his parents not to, that long ago. Um they went to go see him perform and he's just a beautiful soul that I'm so grateful to have been able to interact with in yes. this lifetime. And the fact that he's your nephew is just blows my mind. I, I love him to death. He is so beautiful. <laughs> but so are his mom and dad. Yeah, very sweet and, people. And they're they're just and our families are just so intertwined, connected and uh Life is very interesting. Yeah. And uh, thank you for having me. Here. You're welcome. I appreciate you coming on. Do you have any outlets or anything that you want people to find you or if they want to get in contact uh, with you? No, not at the, if, if anybody does, they can do it through you. Okay. But I'm in the process of putting some things together that I've been kind of shelving because I was doing some other things, but now... I'm ready to do those. So when they're out, you know, I'll expose it all, however I could help. But again, thank you so much for coming on here. And guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and share it. Subscribe to the channel and leave a review. And remember, it's not all of the night.